Okay. okay. All right. So we're back. We're back. Okay. <laughs> and let's go. Um, okay. So yeah, let's get let's really get into it again. It is. I, I mean, truly, it is one of my favorite efforts because, and I know I make a joke about it, but because it's so important. Just as we ended the last segment with protein, okay, we get enough protein. We don't need to worry about it. The real thing we need to worry about is fiber. What, once and for all, what is fiber and why is it important? Right. So fiber is, well, first of all, fiber is only found in plants. And it's the undigestible part of the, of the plant uh, that we can't use for food. And so it does, does some other things which we'll talk about in a minute as, we, as it transits our GI tract. It, and it's very, very important, right? So there's, there's, and broadly, there's two kinds of fiber. We talk about soluble fiber. We talk about insoluble fiber. So it's just what it sounds like. So soluble means it dissolves in water. And when soluble fiber absorbs in, uh, absorbs water, it creates this kind of gel-like mass, right? Which kind of slows down, it slows down emptying from the stomach. It modulates the release of any sugar or carbohydrates into the bloodstream. So, we so it... Right. So no we insulin spike. Exactly. Exactly. Um, sugar spike. Exactly. It helps absorb some of the, the, the cholesterol and fat. So, so it's not absorbed. So it helps lower um, 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 cholesterol. It also, um, the soluble fiber serves as food for a healthy gut microbiome. And as we're learning more and more and more about the gut microbiome, you know, I, I think it's the next kind of revolution in medicine. If it's not already, right? Um, you know, if, if you think about, you know, I used to think our gut was something inside us. Mm -hmm. right? You go to right. the operating room and open someone up and use a guts. But if you think about it, you know, our gut is really outside us because it's a hollow tube. It starts at point A and it goes to point B. And its job is to take whatever we ingest at point A and let in the good stuff, keep out the bad stuff, and eliminate it at point B, right? And I used to think the bacteria that lived in our gut were just along for the ride. If we went to Mexico and got some different bacteria, you had to take some Pepto-Bismol for a few days. But it turns out that the bacteria that live in our gut play a fundamentally important role in many kind of metabolic and health processes. Um, for example, um, the, the bacteria line the gut. So normally in the small intestine, um, uh, between the cells, there's what are called tight junctions, right? Because every, every time we swallow when we eat, we're swallowing all the vitamins and nutrients that we need, you know, the, 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 the fat and carbohydrate protein, but we're also swallowing a lot of things that we don't need. Sure. Viruses and bacteria and fungi and environmental toxins. Like, Yummy. Like, yeah, like, like pesticides and herbicides. And, I, and so the, these tight junctions keep those bad things from being absorbed into our bloodstream. And there's other things like gluten proteins, milk proteins, which are really not designed to absorb into our bodies. When we disrupt our gut microbiome, we lose that protective surface. So there's those tight junctions loose. And so we start to leak these bad things into our bloodstream, which is felt to be the root cause of many chronic inflammatory processes, including autoimmune disease, right? Would we call that leaky gut? Yeah, it's, I don't really like that term because it has some other connotations, but yes, it's, oh, it's basically okay. leaky gut. Okay. If we could design an environment in the modern world to destroy the human gut microbiome, we have done it, right? So babies are born with a sterile or very few bacteria in their gut. 
then you have a vaginal delivery. And that's your first dose of bacteria. And then we breastfeed, so we get bacteria from our mother's skin. And the rest of our lives, we got bacteria from the dirt, right? That's yeah. where these, these soil, that's where these, these are soil bacteria. It was, you know, we, we got our food out of the dirt. We played in the dirt. We drank water that had bacteria in it. And we ate a very high fiber, low fat, plant predominant diet, which fed these, these healthy these healthy gut bacteria. Now let's fast forward to the modern world, right? Yeah, yikes. We, we don't C-section babies. We don't breastfeed. We put so many pesticides and herbicides on our food, we have to scrub the dirt off to make it edible. We polluted the water, so we have to chlorinate it. And we pass out antibiotics like with candy, starting at a young age, which can't tell the difference between good and bad bacteria. And most importantly, we eat a low fiber, high fat diet, which, so we're not feeding these healthy gut bacteria. And, and, and healthy gut bacteria have been associated with other, besides chronic inflammation, um, you know, mental health, it turns out, this is, this like blows me away. So when people come in to the office depressed or anxious, you know, one of the kind of go-to drugs was a class of medications called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So serotonin is a, is a neurotransmitter that makes us feel happy. And so there's things like Lexapro and Prozac and Celexa, uh, things like that. Yeah. Well, it turns out that the serotonin from our, for our brains doesn't come from our brain. It's actually the precursors are made by gut bacteria. And, and, and there's a lot of emerging evidence about the fundamental importance of this gut-brain axis in, beyond our, our metabolic health, but also our mental health. It's really fascinating. Oh, my gosh. Right. And so, again, it's the soluble fiber, this fermentable fiber that really uh, it, it's, it's important. The other interesting thing, by the way, about soluble fiber, you know, that. You can't turn on the news today or, or read a newspaper article about talking about this new weight loss drug would, would go over. Oh, here we go. I right? love this. Yes, right? yes. So the way, so when we eat food, um, that triggers the, the, the nutrients in the food trigger our intestine to make a compound called GLP-1. GLP-1, you can think of it as kind of starting to put a break on our appetite. So we, we're, we've eaten now, right? We're starting to re receive nutrition. So when we, when, when our GLP-1 levels go up, um, our appetite goes down, our stomach emptying slows, right? Um, our pancreas makes more insulin, uh, getting ready to process that energy, right? And what Wagobi does is it, is it, it, it stimulates those, that G, our small intestine to make GLP-1. But guess what else stimulates GLP-1? Fiber, right? So fiber has the exact same effect. It raises GLP-1 levels. It suppresses appetite. It smooths out the blood sugars because now we even we don't need as much insulin now because the glycemic load of the food. So glycemic load is a is a measurement of the, of the propensity of a given food to, to stimulate insulin response. So these high fiber foods have a much lower glycemic load, slows gastric emptying. So so really fiber is like nature's wagovi, right? Right. Yeah. So you can eat yourself happy <laughs> and thin. And thin. Right. Exactly. Now the other, there's another kind of, um, of, uh, uh, fiber called insoluble fiber. So insoluble fiber won't absorb water. It's not, it's not dissolvable in water. So insoluble. And, um, so what it does, it helps add bulk to the stool and it's, and it helps prevent constipation. Uh, some of the constipation related illnesses or problems like diverticulitis or diverticulosis, but most importantly, colon cancer, right? Because you can imagine that 
part of the risk of colon cancer are toxins that we're ingesting get concentrated in our stool, right? We don't move it through. And the longer that is sitting in contact with the cells in our colon, the more likely they are to cause a mutation and cause cancer. So the faster you move things through, right. the, less risk, the less risk you have for colon cancer, right? And in fact, in fact, if you look at cultures who eat a plant predominant diet, and by the way, most plants like beans have, have a nice mix, that you know, nice mix, half soluble, half insoluble, right? Um, so nuts are the same thing. It's a mix of the two. But if you look at cultures who follow plant predominant diet with very, very high fiber intake, they don't have words for colon cancer in their language because it doesn't exist. Isn't that crazy? It, then, no, that is crazy. Yeah. Um, and here in the United States, we have one of the highest rates of colon cancer well, in the there's, world. there's certainly an uptick in the last several years. Right. And sadly enough, as you probably well know, they've just recently changed the screening guidelines. Yeah. So it used to be starting at age 50. They've moved it down to 45 because we're seeing more and more colon cancer in, in younger people. Most of that, I think, driven by chronic fiber deficiency. So I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but you're, the screening that, that you're talking about is a colonoscopy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's so right. the screening for colonoscopy starts at what age? 45. 45. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. Okay. And, and, and you know, and, and as far as how much fiber we need, um, you know, again, the average American, believe it or not, gets 10 to 15 grams of fiber a day. And, you know, I mean, you'll hear when we get back to the soup in a minute, I mean, the, 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 the fiber has, in, the, in this dish today, right, yeah, tons yeah. of fiber, more than most people get. Right. Um, the current recommendations are, you know, 25 to 30. I think that's low. I, I really think you really start to maximize the health benefits 40 to 50. Mm -hmm. I, I really think that's, that's where you, you should be. And, and again, the beautiful thing is when you're eating this whole food plant-based diet, and I do want to make a distinction here. This is important, especially because of the fiber. I want to make a distinction between a vegan diet in a whole food plant-based diet, because yeah. there's a lot of conflation out there these days, right? Um, you know, veganism comes from a place of compassion about not harming other creatures. And I think, granted, I think almost all of us at some point, or still do today, have some cognitive dissonance around where our food really comes from. Right? You mean it doesn't come from the grocery You're store? Right, right, that boneless, skinless chicken breast, <laughs> bloodless, wrapped up nice and neat in plastic, you know, there's a pretty horrific backstory to that. But, but the, the, the food decisions you make are about not harming other creatures, right? So don't eat them and don't wear them, don't use process them. But as you well know, there's a lot of fiber devoid, yeah. de depleted, highly processed food that's vegan, right? You can right. get vegan ice cream and vegan cupcakes and Oreos and white flour and sugar. And a good example is something like Beyond Burgers. I mean, Beyond Burgers are better for the cow and they're better for the environment. And if you compare it to a, to a hamburger, uh, a little bit better for you, but not a health food. Right. Highly processed, not a lot of fiber, very high in fat. So, so again, the point is when we eat these whole foods, it's the, it's the whole package, right? It's a package that has protein. It's got fiber. It's got healthy fats, right? Yeah. So potassium. It's, it's potassium. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so what do you have for us here today? So, okay. So when we start, I, when we were going over this and you wanted a great fiber filled and it does also, as you said, it's also full of protein, a great fiber filled recipe. I knew that I had to share this one with you. Right. And I know that you've had before, you've had many different renditions and you make your own too, right. but this chickpea chicken salad 
is my favorite. I actually have a girlfriend who, whenever I see her, she starts to like, she, the first thing she says is, hi, where is it? <laughs> because I, I've given her the chickpea salad so often yeah. that she's just, you know, conditioned to think that I have more for her every time I see her. So this is, as I said, chickpeas, uh, uh, chickpea, the base is chickpeas. Yeah. And it's so easy. I mean, don't blink. You'll miss it. This is the easiest recipe. And so many different chefs and cook, cooks have their own. This is my favorite. Uh, but, it, but it's real, real easy. Okay, we're going to start off with just chickpeas, right? Cooked chickpeas. And just, I like to use a gloved hand. You can use a potato masher. You can use a fork. doesn't matter. Uh, but just mash up most of them in your bowl. Uh, I don't mash them all up because I like the texture, texture yeah. and I like to see what I'm eating, right? So I'm going to mash up most of these here. Now, Jim, I'm putting you to work. And all right. Here are some, gonna, our soup is still cooking and we're going to get back to it. What do you want next? Okay. Um, let's put in, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's put in some celery and some uh, red onion. Tell me when. Okay. When. Okay. We've got a nice mixture here. What's next? Okay, let's do uh, the dill relish. All right. There's not a whole lot left in there. I think we're, we're good. Yep. Uh -huh. More? Yeah, yep. little, just a little, more, a little more. This is very scientific. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's Again, not like the, you're baking bread. The rest of the recipes <laughs> are real. <laughs> okay, so now Dijon mustard. And if right. you don't have Dijon, you can just use yellow mustard. That's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> It's very strong. <laughs> that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and work all that, work that through. You want all of this in every single bite. Okay, now the, the base. So the base of chicken salad most of the time is mayo. And what I like to use is tahini. And tahini is just ground sesame seeds. Now, when you buy tahini, make sure that the only thing in the ingredients part is ground sesame seeds. There might be some salt and that's fine but just ground sesame seeds. You don't need anything else. No palm oil, extra sugars, right. extra way, a lot of extra salts, none right. of that. And that, that goes for any really nut butter, right? Because yeah. it's technically, it's, kind of, it's not really a nut butter because it's not well, nut, but it's it's the same idea, right? This is just crushed up sesame seeds. Same thing if you're getting peanut butter, almond butter, you yeah. just want peanuts, right? And a, and a tahini, I use it in the base of a lot of my salad dressings. Mm -hmm. um, I call it almost like a boring peanut butter, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. it does pull everything together. There's a little bit of flavor, but not too much. Lay it on me. Let's do two. There you go. You have two heaping. Good. Yep, that's good. And so this will really pull everything together. And again, it's up to you how much you want to put in there. Maybe just start with one tablespoon and see how you like it. Now we're going to add in some more texture. Almonds, great fiber, great fat, great uh, omega threes, right. right? So you didn't think you're going to get that today with this. So, so Karen, so tell me, um, if I were to go to the deli today or go home and make my own chicken salad, oh, right, like this chicken salad, yeah, no, just regular chicken. Salad. Oh, regular right, chicken right. salad, chicken, okay. you know, it's and mayo, mayo and yeah. So, well, yeah, how does the nutrition of that compare? To this. Okay, so a regular chicken salad, and I know that a lot of people make it different ways, whatever, but the basic just chicken salad is per per half cup right. is going to be about well, close to 20 grams of, of uh, fat. fat. Yeah. And how much fiber? 
Um, gosh, it's like nine or ten grams of fiber. No, no, no. The regular chicken salad. Oh, oh, zero. <laughs> oh, fiber. I'm fiber. sorry. I'm thinking yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no fiber. Now there is a lot of protein. There is a lot of protein. Um, but you don't need that much right, protein, right. right? Right, right. And then what about this? So, so how much, how much fat and fiber? So the um, that was just a little bit of salt. So the fat content of our chickpea chicken salad is around eight or so. Yeah, and then the um, less, than, less, yeah, less than half. And then the protein. What do we know? The protein's about half, but it's plenty. Yeah, right. And, and the fiber though is like what? It was like six, eight grams, something like this that. This was closer to eight grams right, per right, serving, right. compared for a to, half of a cup. Right, compared to to, to zero in regular chicken salad. So again, it's it's this point that it's the package that our food comes in. Right. right. It's yeah. So important, and that's this. I think this is a perfect example about about when we get our foods in a package of animal that's primarily based on animal foods, right? What's missing? It's the fiber, right? It is the fiber. Yes, it definitely is. And and here's the thing. So when people come in, you know, we're broadcasting today from the Center for Plant-Based Living in St. Louis. And I do, we do a lot of cooking classes here. And, um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and when people come in and we talk about fiber and we want to add more fiber to our plates, what does that look like? And we talk about these different foods. And we talk about beans. Like today we put in chickpeas, right? And that's a pretty dense bean. Yeah. Now, if somebody does, you know, really starts eating a lot more beans and they get bloated, okay? That can happen. It happens to, to me sometimes every once in a while. I've been doing this since 2008. So, and they say, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. I'm too bloated. Okay, just hear me out. If you go to the gym, if, if you haven't been to the gym in a month or so, if you've never been to the gym, and you go and you've got your favorite playlist going and you hit it hard right. and you come the next morning, you're like, you can't even hardly walk because you're so sore. Have you ever said, well, exercise is not for me. It hurts. Right. Right. So it's the same thing with your stomach. You got to train your gut. You've right? got to train your gut. So right. you want to start, if you're, if you're starting to add more beans, I would say start with a lentil, like our lentil soup. Right. Because it, it's very small, it has a very thin skin, and it's very, very soft. A black bean is the same way. Right. It's a very thin skin. Now, a chickpea is going to be fine, but you might want to do a hummus first. So you're pre-digesting the Pre-digesting it, yeah. And even here might be okay because you're, you're yeah, yeah, you know, smushing them. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I, that's why, um, you know, you, won't, you don't want to go full on to 40 grams of fiber. The first day. The first day. You want to tiptoe up. Right. And on our website, the Center for Plant-Based Living's website, we have a really great free resource, and it's called the Fiber Formula. Right. And I teach people, it's the number one thing I teach all of my students, is to do this fiber formula. So for four weeks, you train your gut. Right. One week, it's 10 grams of fiber. Second week, 20, 30, and up to 40. It's right. such a gentle way right, right. to add more plants. Right. And you know, what's interesting, the reason that people get that bloating and gas is not the beans, the legumes, it's the gut bacteria. Because if they don't have, you don't have the right gut bacteria to digest. So these, in the skin of these beans on the outside, there's some compounds called oligosaccharides. And that's just a fancy word for complex sugar. Oligo means like long and lots and saccharides means sugar. And so when we don't have the right gut bacteria, 
to, to, to process these oligosaccharides of the beans. And that's why washing them sometimes too well. Yeah. Wash them that off. Those sugars get passed into the colon because they haven't been digested and they actually get fermented, right? So you're like brewing. Right, exactly. Beer in your gut. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, so, so that's why the fiber formula works is because you're slowly allowing your gut bacteria to adapt to the higher fiber load in a diet. So that's exactly right. And there's and the reason though that it's it's not the and it is the beans, but not directly. It's it's the gut. It's a gut bacteria problem. Back yeah. to what we talked about earlier. That's so. I mean, I just find it so fascinating. It is. So fascinating. It really is. Okay. So this is what. This is the final product. Actually, I'm going to bring it up, um, and we'll do this at the end as well. But I just want to bring this up and show what that looks like. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. You know, you know, I make a version of this carrying with uh, with uh, curry powder, cashews, tahini, and then I chop dates. It is so good. So go you'll make it for me. Yeah, I will. I will. Okay. I, will. Right. I will. I will. So why don't we take a, a real quick break uh, in, before our last segment, um, and we're going to be talking about soy. In oh, our last segment. So this is, yeah. um, we'll be back in a minute. 